I heard a story the other day. I don't know if it's true or not, but here's how I heard it. There was a journalist who was stationed in Jerusalem. Her apartment overlooked the Western Wall, and every day she would watch as devout Jews would come to pray. She noticed one man in particular that was there every day and praying quite vigorously. So one day she decided to go down and, and talk to the man. She said, I, I see you here every day praying. Can I ask you how long you have done this and what are you praying for? He said, I've been coming here every day for 25 years. In the morning, I pray for world peace and then for the well-being of humanity. I go home and I have a cup of tea and I come back and I pray for the eradication of illness and disease from all the earth. The journalist is intrigued and asks, how does it make you feel to come here every day for 25 years and pray for these things? The man looked at the journalist with great sadness in his eyes and replied, It feels like I'm talking to a damn wall. Welcome to Deeply Spiritual, but Rather Uncertain. Okay, 15 seconds of shameless commercials before we start to talk about this subject of prayer. I've started a mailing list and we'll be sending out some more deeply spiritual but rather uncertain content in black and white every now and then. And I would love you to sign up to get those emails. I promise I won't spam you or give anybody else your email address. You'll find the link below, or you can also find it on the Deeply Spiritual But Rather Uncertain Facebook page, which, by the way, if you haven't liked or followed, please do. Also, if you can help support this work, you can go to patreon.com forward slash skip Collins. That link is below as well. Even as little as a dollar a month is a big help. I think one of the most difficult things to sort out as we try to imagine what our faith will look like after deconstruction is this idea of prayer. In fact, it's not unusual for me to hear stories about the lack of answered prayer being the very catalyst for a person's deconstruction in the first place. I prayed and prayed, but God didn't change me or she still died, or a host of other things where God just didn't come through. My journey with prayer over a lifetime of being a Christian is about as crazy and assorted as the rest of my faith is. There were times that I prayed fervently for months and nothing seemed to change. And then there were times I didn't really pray at all, and God came through anyway. I've been through a lot of different prayer phases over the years. It started in high school with my praying in tongues phase. My church was very conservative when it came to the gifts of the Spirit, but my friend Mike 
went to this pretty wild, charismatic church, or at least I, I thought it was like that, but he taught me all about it. There was another kind of attempt at the charismatic phase later in my life, but both times it faded out pretty quickly. Then there were the lengthy prayer meetings where everybody walked around and prayed really loudly. Apparently, God prefers people who shout their prayers. There was the kneeling at the altar and pledging not to get up until I was fully sanctified phase. Fortunately, the kneeling benches had really nice soft carpet to support your knees. And if I'd kept that pledge, I'd probably still be there. Then there was my Eastern Orthodox phase that I spoke about the last time. I had a copy of the Orthodox prayer book, and I had this little kneeling bench, and I would kneel and read those prayers every morning. That was a good phase. Of course, if you were a Christian in the 90s, there was the prayer of Jabez phase. The prayer of Jabez was like the magic words that God always responded to. Bless me, enlarge my territory, keep me from evil or harm. The key was to pray it every single day. I guess the idea was that if you did it long enough, then it would all kick in. I don't think I did it long enough. There was the praying scripture phase that I learned from Eugene Peterson books. You'd read a chapter or a portion of the Bible, and then you would try to pray from what was there. It was a good way to incorporate Bible and prayer together, and, and it worked really well in a group setting. Then there was the write your prayers down phase. I have quite a few journals filled with prayers that I have written out. It was a helpful phase. At least I didn't fall asleep. There was the Acts phase, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. There was the prayer list phase. For a number of years, I organized church-wide days of prayer and fasting while I was at Westville Baptist and the later on when I was at Grace. Those were special days that I always looked forward to. So you can see I've been through most of it. I'm sure there are other prayer methods that I tried and that I've long since forgotten about. I might have read more books on prayer over the years than I have on any other one subject. And to be honest, I think the reason for all these different methods was because I've always been so bad at prayer. I can pray out loud in a church service or in a group without any problem. I guess that goes with the territory of being a pastor. But when it comes to my own personal prayer life, I really sucked. And to make matters worse was that I lived with such shame. If you went back and read all those prayers that I wrote down during that phase, pretty much everyone contained a confession 
that I was so inconsistent in my prayer life. I would read these books about pastors and missionaries who prayed every day for hours, and they would say that is why God blessed them so much. Apparently, that's what it took to be a good pastor. And I fell so far short of that. I lived in secret shame. I remember when I was a worship pastor, I would get to rehearsal and just jump into the music. Inevitably, someone would say, aren't we going to pray first? I hadn't even thought about it. I mean, what kind of a sucky worship pastor doesn't even think about praying before you start? My entire prayer life was consumed with what I should have done. So I lived with lots of guilt and shame. Then there were times when people would come up to me after a Sunday service and say, Pastor, will you pray for me? For a pastor, there is pressure to perform in those instances. At least that's what I felt. Like somehow I was supposed to have this superpower that nobody else has. It just added to the shame. So does any of this ring true for any of you? Do you feel this frustration that prayer doesn't actually work? All that stuff about asking anything in the name of Jesus seems like some kind of a fairy tale. It just doesn't work, at least not for you. It might work for other people, but not for you. I get it. In fact, if that is where you are at, I have a suggestion. And this might come as a surprise to you, and I can't believe I'm actually saying it, but just stop. Just stop praying. There, I said it. But I think we've done people a huge disservice by telling them that they must pray every day. I think we've created expectations that are quite unrealistic. I think we created shame and guilt. At least that's what it did for me. So if that's where you're at, just stop praying and only start again if and when you want to. No shame, no should ofs, no duty, no guilt. Just stop. That's what I've done. I quit praying. And I let go of all the guilt and shame of that. For quite a while, actually. But the truth is that now I'm and, and this is really recent, but I'm starting to discover prayer in a whole different and new and fresh way. Although it has taken a pretty fair amount of time of just stopping. 
And for the first time, prayer isn't about shame or duty. It's not about what I'm supposed to do every day. It's just about finding union with God. I was reading Richard Rohr the other day and came across this statement in his wonderful book called The Universal Christ. He said, foundationally, we must find a prayer form that actually invades our unconscious where nothing changes at any depth. For the first time, I didn't feel guilty when I read a statement on prayer. I was actually excited about finding some kind of prayer that invades my unconscious. And so like so many of you, I'm trying to find my way once again without the expectations, the guilt, the shame, the sense of duty. And in this process, I'm learning some things that might be helpful. At least I hope they're helpful for you. First of all, prayer is a journey. I know that sounds a bit like a slogan on a Christian greeting card, but prayer is not an event. It's not a goal. It's not a destination. It's not what I do for 20 minutes in the mornings or what I do before a meal. Prayer is about a lifetime of learning and growing and changing. Could it be that that's what Jesus was on about when he told us to pray without ceasing? That prayer is a journey in your life. Whether you're actually engaged in the process at, of prayer at this point or not, there's this journey that has gone before, and there's a journey that will probably come after this moment. So, so if at the moment you don't pray, it's still part of this prayer journey that you are on, on because prayer isn't an event. It's a journey. I think that so often for many of us, prayer is an item on my to-do list. Prayer is what I'm supposed to do before every meal or every morning or before every worship rehearsal, like brushing your teeth or washing the dishes or sanitizing your hands. But what if prayer is much more about being than doing? What if prayer is more of an attitude than a conversation? The definition I've always heard about prayer is that prayer is a conversation with God because they say in a relationship you have to have conversations. And on one level, that makes sense. But the problem with that is that usually my conversations with God were pretty one-sided. I speak, God listens, and then hopefully God performs. That doesn't sound very conversational to me. That doesn't sound very relational to me. So what if prayer is more of an attitude that says, I am completely open to God's presence in me 
and around me and through me. What if prayer is much more about God speaking and me listening? God speaking through my experiences. God speaking through nature. God speaking through other people. God speaking through what I'm listening to or what I'm reading and pretty much everything else that happens in my day. Could it be that prayer is about just being aware, about being open, about just being present to God's presence? I'm trying to lean into that kind of prayer. But that's not something that's usually taught when it comes to prayer. God speaking through my experiences? Well, we all know that we can't trust our feelings and emotions, right? We've been taught that, so how in the world can we trust God speaking through my experiences? Or God speaking through nature? That sounds pretty pantheistic, doesn't it? God speaking through other people? Well, maybe if it's the man of God, right? Or God speaking through what I'm reading? And, and that's okay as long as it's the Bible, because that's how God speaks. I have found God speaking to me in all those ways. It's such a shame to limit prayer to my list of needs or even God's voice to only verses in the Bible. Certainly, God is more creative than that. Our home here in South Africa opens up to the most beautiful garden, or what my American friends would call a yard, because it has to have vegetables if it's a garden, right? Anyway, it's not super big, and it's the kind, not the kind of yard that is good for kids because it slopes down from the house pretty radically, but it's surrounded by bush, and it's beautiful. We try to keep it trimmed a little bit, but it's actually pretty wild. We have neighbors that are really close, but we can't even see their house. I hear the kids splashing around in the pool, but I can't see them. I don't have a clue what all this vegetation is called, and I don't really have a huge interest to find out. But I do know that pretty much every shade of green that you can imagine is before my eyes. And some of it flowers from time to time in beautiful shades of white and orange and yellow. And I'm learning to hear God's voice in creation. I'm learning to see God in creation. And then pretty much every day we are visited by a troop of monkeys. Now any South African will tell you what a pest these monkeys can be. If they get into your kitchen, which they love to do, they tear things up like you can't imagine. But to sit and watch them play in the trees is really something special. The little ones chase each other around like they're children playing tag. 
And I sit here and I wonder if God created these creatures of play just to remind us that it's okay to play. To remind us that we don't have to be so freaking serious all the time. I need to learn how to play again. I'm learning to hear God's voice even through the monkeys. One of my favorite verses in the Bible says that God is above all and in all and through all. And so, yes, I find God speaking in and through this amazing creation. I think that God speaks loudly through our experiences. I have journaled for quite a long time, but it's always quite inconsistent. There are big gaps at times in the timeline of my journaling. But since the beginning of the year, I have been journaling every day. Now, I'm not putting that on any of you by any means. I'm retired, remember? This is what I do for a living. But every morning, I think through what yesterday looked like, and I see if I can see God up to something. And that time of reflection is certainly part of what prayer is looking like for me these days. God often speaks through my everyday experiences, my successes and my failures, my frustrations and my victories. God speaks. I listen. Let's change gears for a minute and talk about what Christians call intercession as a form of prayer. Intercession is when I'm praying for things outside of myself or for people that I know are struggling, for instance, or when I pray for people that I don't know. The other day, I was watching the news, and I found myself during the story kind of connecting to those children that have crossed the southern border of the United States looking for asylum. There are thousands of them. How anxious they must be feeling. How alone they must be feeling. And I'm thinking about the people who are trying to care for them and help them and reassure them and keep them safe. And I find myself thinking, God, please, somehow let them know that you are there. Let them somehow know your peace in the midst of their circumstance. And all of that while I was watching the news. And I don't want to get all strange and mystical on you, but that kind of prayer connects us as humanity. When I'm thinking about them, when I'm praying for them in that way, I'm not arguing about the politics of immigration reform. I'm not complaining about how many people are coming through the southern U.S. border, but I'm connecting with human beings in their struggle and in their plight. And I don't know if it changes anything on their side, but I do know that it changes me.
When I have a friend or a family member that is hurting, and I stop to think of them, to pray for them, I'm not only connected, but I'm usually driven to send a note or give them a call. I don't know if their situation changed because I prayed for them, but the note that I send might make a big difference in their day. I think that honest prayer drives us to action. I don't know if it drives God to action, but it does drive me to action. I remember that when I was young, there was a pretty popular phrase that you would see in church bulletins, inscribed in the walls of our churches or pulpits. It was this, prayer changes things. And I think that's great. But what are the things that we're talking about? I think we have been given this expectation that prayer is a way to control the outcomes in my life. If I want a particular job, I've been told to pray about it. If I'm looking for the perfect spouse, pray about it. If those are the things that we think when we say prayer changes things, then I'm afraid we're going to be a bit disappointed, maybe quite disappointed. My experience is that prayer doesn't change those things very often. But if the things in prayer changes things is me, then I'm all in. Maybe it should say, prayer changes things in me. But let me take you back to that Richard Rohr quote that really started this new part of the journey for me. We must find, he says, a prayer form that actually invades our unconscious. Prayer that is done out of duty or out of a formula or trying to control the outcomes will rarely invade our unconscious. But prayer that is an openness to what God might be doing or saying, prayer that is an openness while we watch the news or do the dishes or drive the kids to school or go for a walk in the woods or read a book, that kind of prayer just might change some things. It might just change me. It might just drive me to action. It might just bring me closer towards union with God. And that kind of prayer excites me. Have a great week. Shalom.